morning, Celebration Church. How many are glad to be in the house of God today? No better place to be on the planet than in God's house. And today, for those that are new to Celebration Church, once a month during worship, we have the privilege and the honor of celebrating and watching these that are going to be water baptized, taking that step of water baptism today. I think we have almost 30 people that will be water baptized at all of our services. Really exciting to see what God is doing in the lives of people. And it's important for you to understand, Jesus even said, when John the Baptist said, I, I need to be baptized by you. And Jesus said, no, I need to be baptized in order to fulfill all, what? Righteousness. In other words, baptism is not just something you do. It is something that has been done. Because what Christ did for us is gives us in his cross the power to not only die, of course, the Bible says we go into that water and we're dying to ourselves, but we've been raised to live in the newness of life. And so it's an experience. It's, a, it's an experience, but it's also an understanding that we deserve judgment, but God gave us the power to overcome judgment. And that's where the righteousness and the judgment come together. Because we're the righteousness of God. How many are thankful for we're not under judgment? And so today, if you've never been water baptized, you need to make sure that you are next time we are baptizing next month. But today we've got several. Monica, Carolyn, Brian, Ella, Mateo. Hey, I love it. And then we have Aislinn and Alexa, sisters. And then we have Marcus and Sean Patterson. And then we have Talia, John, Erlen, and Evelyn Williamson. This is, Evelyn is Pastor Christian, our campus pastor here at the Westinghouse location. This is his eight-year-old daughter that is being baptized today. And so it's an honor. So Father, we thank you for your goodness. God, we thank you for your grace. We thank you, Lord, even as we pray over these that are being baptized today, that you will fill them and guide them and lead them. And Lord, we also ask, as they go into that water and as they experience your presence, may we experience your presence today. May we go into a deeper walk with you, a deeper understanding of you. Lord, don't leave us the same. I pray that, Father, you would rain down upon all of us with the water of the Holy Spirit. We give you the glory, we give you the honor, and all of God's people said... Come on, one more time, give Jesus a clap of praise in this place again. Wandering into the night, wanting a place to hide this weary soul. Backbone. I try with all my mind, but I just can't win the fight. I'm slowly drifted, the vagabond. Just when I ran out of road, I met a man I didn't know. He told me. Yeah. 
Got no choice but to believe my doubts are burning Like ashes in the wind So, so long to my old friends Burning in bitterness You can't just keep it moving No, you ain't welcome
can describe God our Father it is set apart for him it is divine it is it is tailor-made for him so so holy really means the one and the only come on he is the one and the only that gave his life for you and me 
He is the one who, honestly, like, guys, the one who restores, the one who heals, the one who redeems humanity. He is the one and the only. Like, you can go searching, but I'm here to let you know to help you, right? Just so you can get like an A plus in this class, all right? He's the one and only answer to the problem that you may be in right now. I got this scripture I would love to share with you in Ephesians chapter 4. We can start in verse 4. It says, there is one body and one spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. There is one God and Father of all who is over all, through all, and in all. Come on. You can just give it up for that. The word preaches itself. In this time of service, we like to take a moment to pray for your needs. And I don't know what you've walked through. I don't know the details of your life, the details of even just this week. But I'm here to encourage you to let you know that we serve a holy God. The one and only who said that you are my sons and daughters. The one who says that I am above it all. I am through it all. There's this process in the need, the days you have to walk through. God is saying, I'm right beside you. But even in the bad things, God says, I'm in it. I'm in it with you. I'm in the fire with you. I'm in the storm with you. I am in it and I'm in all. I'm through all. I'm above all. Whatever that need is today, I want you to be encouraged by the holy God that we serve. And so if you have a need today, you can just slip it up in the air just as a sign of God. We just give this to the one and the only God. We extend our hands up to you. As a sign of God, would you take this need? Would you take this concern? God, would you take this circumstance, this situation? God, would you take this relationship? God, would you take wherever I am financially? God, would you take this marriage? Would you take my kids? God, would you take this decision that I have to make? God, I place it in the, the one and the only who is able to save, able to do something, able to restore, able to redeem. God, we have this one hope in us, and it's in you. God, we have this one faith, and we put our faith in the Lord Jesus. God, we just thank you for who you are. God, would you just move in a mighty way? Would you heal those who need to be healed? Would you deliver those out of captivity in their mind and their emotions? God, do the work that only you can do. God, we thank you as a church family. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you. For you are the holy Lord God Almighty, and we say yes and amen to that. Celebration Church, if you can just give it up for the one and the only, come on. Y'all can do it better than that. Come on, let's just give it up. He's worthy of your praise. Come on. Worthy of the honor. We're so excited for service today. It is going to be off the chain in Jesus' name. Come on. But before we go any further, here's what I need you to do. Have five, at least five people around you and say, he's going to be with you through it. He's going to be with you through it.
All right, good morning, Celebration Church. We're so glad that you decided to come to church this morning. If I haven't gotten the chance to meet you, my name is Tanner. I get to serve as one of our pastors here on the team. And especially if it's your very first time here at Celebration Church, come on, can we just welcome everyone who may be here for the very first time? Come on, we're so thankful that you decided to come this morning on this beautiful Sunday morning. Uh, we really, connection is at the heartbeat of everything that we do here. So if it is your first time, it's great to come new, but it's not great to stay new because church becomes church when it becomes a spiritual family. So we've tried to make it as easy as possible for you to get connected here. On the seat back in front of you, there's what we call our connection card. If you would just take a moment during the service and fill it out. Afterwards, you can go to the Connection Center. We have a team there that would love to get to know you. And then also, they would love to put a gift in your hand just to say thank you so much for coming to church this morning. Maybe you're looking to get more connected into the life of the church. Maybe you have questions about the story of the church or their beliefs, or it's possible that you're asking, how can I use the way that God has gifted me to serve the church? Or maybe even if you're looking for community, Connection Point is your next step. Connection Point happens the 9 and 11 a.m. services every weekend. So it's happening right now. And if you can come to church, you can come to Connection Point. I wanna highly encourage you that if you haven't taken that step of Connection Point, to do so. I promise you won't regret it. And the Bible is very clear that when we plant ourselves in the house of God, that our lives flourish. So I wanna encourage you, if you haven't taken that step, make sure you do by going to Connection Point. And the last way that we like to connect here is by our giving. So if you call Celebration Church home and you haven't taken this step of obedience to God and giving, I want to encourage you to do so today. As believers, it's what we do. We give. The Bible is very clear that God loves a cheerful giver and that our giving results in glory to God. There's a story in the Bible where a widow comes and she gives two small coins and you know they were very insignificant in value, but Jesus said that there was more value in those two coins than there were in a large offering. It's because he looked at the heart. So I want to encourage you today to take that step of obedience by giving to God, but not only giving to God, giving to Him cheerfully. And we're going to see not only our city impacted and our community impacted, but He's going to take our giving and take it all over the world. Amen. For His glory. I want to pray for our giving before we go any farther in this service. God, thank you for the opportunity to give. God, we do so cheerfully today. We do so because you've given us the opportunity. And so God, we ask, Lord, that you would put your spirit and your supernatural power on our gifts today. And God, that people lives would be changed, that people would be healed, that the people would be saved, and God, that your kingdom would expand through our giving. And God, we thank you that you are faithful to do so, and you're faithful to bless us. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. Awesome. Why don't you turn your attention to the screens for Celebration News. My name is Emily, and whether you're joining us for the first time or call Celebration Home, we're so glad you're with us for service today. Ready? Here we go. Hey, we're Celebration Music. Our single, The Way, The Truth, The Life, is out now. Jesus, you're the way. The world loves to tell us that there are so many truths, but we know that Jesus is the only way, truth, and the life.
Legacy Weekend is coming up on November 6th. Legacy is a time for our church to look back on what God has done in the last 22 years and look forward to where we're going as a church. This year, our four initiatives are Local Expansion, Global Impact, Celebration Leadership Institute, and the Life Initiative. We are encouraging our church to pray and seek God as we prepare for our Legacy offering. As we head into Legacy season, we are so excited to announce that we are moving our normal Wednesday Pursuit Night to Sunday, October 30th at 5 p.m. Join us out on the lawn at the front of our Georgetown campus for a tent revival Pursuit Night. Child care will be provided at the center for nursery and preschool children. And we encourage you to bring your elementary age children to experience the service as we pray over our legacy offering. We are honored that you have chosen to be with us today. Stay up to date on everything happening at Celebration by connecting with us on social media or through our Celebration Church app. Celebration Church, and of course we want to welcome those that are joining from one of our campuses, our online campus, or one of the 13 campuses located in 13 correctional facilities here in the Austin Metroplex. Come on, Celebration, let's say hello to everybody that's joining us today. It's great to see you guys. All I'm going to say is LSU won. All right, let's just move on to the next thing. God is good, even if LSU lost. But today we are beginning a brand new series of messages that we are going to be talking around the theme we do every year called legacy. Come on, say the word legacy. We're going to be talking about what is a legacy. But before we do, I want to just share, we do, for those that are new to celebration, we do what we do because of what God did for you. John 3.16 tells us, and I think it's always important for us to remember this, that God so loved the world that he sent his only and gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have what? Eternal life. So what do we know God did for us? Well, he sent his son to do what? To, of course, to live for us. He came to, to live for us. Before he could die for you, he had to live for you. And then we know that he not only lived for us, but, but he would show us an example. He He got into our world. The Word became flesh and dwelt or tabernacled or made a tent among us. And He got into our world. And for 33 and a half years, we watched His life up close. And we have that in the Scriptures. And then we know that He would eventually go to that cross. It was the predetermined plan of God that His Son would be crucified at the hands of evil men. For what reason? As John the Baptist said, that he would be the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And we know that he would be sacrificed for us, willingly. He wasn't a martyr. It was a choice. And he knew what he came to do, and that is to die as a ransom, to pay the ransom for you and for me. And then the Bible says he was buried, and three days later he was raised from the dead for us. And the same life that raised Christ from the dead... It says, through faith will dwell in your body, will dwell in your heart, will dwell in your life. And then, of course, we know ultimately he's coming back for us. How many are thankful that the reality is, is that we are going to see him again? And some of you are like, Lord, come now. 
But what I'm saying on all of that is that he left a legacy. What he did was he left us a legacy. He left us what a legacy is, and that is remembrance. Or he put in his life the understanding that he was being watched. He was being, being just examined. And the Bible tells us that we are to ever learn Christ. We're ever to grow in Christ. But what a legacy is is simply what people remember about you when you're gone. What is it that people remember about you when you're no longer on this planet, when you're done with this life, when, when God calls you home? And the reality is, is that people don't just remember, but they will repeat what you have done. How many have ever had yourself say things that you know your mama said 60 years ago? You're just repeating your mother, your grandmother. And you said as a girl, or you said as a little boy, there's no way I'm ever going to act like my daddy. Or I'm not going to act like my mom. Or like my Uncle Harvey. I will not. And they have pictures of you now acting just like them. And so when we talk about legacy, we're talking about what do people remember you after you're gone? What is it? And let me say it like this. What is it? Where is it? And who is it that you made a deposit into their world or its world? And the truth is we're all leaving a legacy. You're leaving a legacy. You're leaving right now memories. You're leaving behind your life, your words, your actions, your attitude, your face. In everything that you do, people are watching you. I've told the story before. I didn't have a good legacy on a, on a Merrill West airline one day. It was a bad legacy. As they kept us on the tarmac for three hours, I was going to meet and miss a very important meeting. And I just kind of had my knees in the chair in front of me. The seat in front of me had no one in front of me. And so I just kind of had my knees up for three hours. They don't have enough people to get us off the airplane onto the jet bridge. And I said, I'll get us off this airplane. Just give me the key. And, and after three hours, I got my knee up on the seat in front of me. And the flight attendant said, I need you, sir, to get your knee off the f- seat in front of you. And I did. And I respected her words and her commands and not her airline. And as I was sitting there... About 20 minutes later, my knees, I'm 6'5". I put my knees back up on the chair that has no one in front. And she said, uh, Pastor Joe, I already told you once, get your knees <laughs> off the seat in front of you. I said, what did you say, Willis? <laughs> I said, Pastor Joe. I said, you go to my church? She goes, oh, yes. <laughs> and you've taught me to obey. I said, the Lord. Anyway, (laughs) I left a legacy that day. Never saw her again. (laughs) And so when we talk about legacy, of course, we're dealing with what all of us have to understand, and that is that people are going to remember and people are going to repeat. This is why I think the psalmist said in Psalm 90, verse 12, teach us, God, to remember or to number, or to value our day, today. John Maxwell writes, today matters. Today matters. Today matters. And today you're going to leave a legacy. Today you're going to leave a memory. What will it be? When this day's finished, what will your kids remember about today? Mom was mad. Daddy was crazy. 
The reality is, is that all of us must come to this, what the psalmist said, teach us to number our days, teach us the value, teach us to understand how important today is so that we may present to you a heart of wisdom, so that we would walk in wisdom, so that we'd walk wisely, circumspectly. I think that's where maybe Ephesians chapter 5 came from. Be careful how you walk each and every day, for the day is evil. And you need to be aware, you need to be alert, that we're living in a very difficult day. And I do believe that it is the responsibility of every believer especially to leave a godly legacy. Now, you will either leave a legacy or you will leave a godly legacy. Now, where do godly legacies come from? Where do great legacies, people who have made a difference in the lives of people, and when you see that generationally, how does that happen? Well, great legacies come out of those who see, and this is the key now, who see life as a gift. If you don't see life as a gift, if you don't see today as a gift, if you don't see the moment that you have been given by God, time, how many believe the older you get, you realize how valuable time is? Because sooner or later you begin to realize you're the only one at your high school graduation. Everyone's dead. In my case, well, they're not dead. They've just become alcoholics. Anyway, the truth is, is that we've got to value and we've got to see that life is a gift from God. Now, when you understand life is a gift, your heart beating right now is a gift from God. Your ability to come to church, your ability to listen to what is being said today is a gift from God. What you will do with this day is a gift. And the more that you understand that, people who understand that it is a gift from God, and it's not a gift from yourself. You didn't gift yourself this time on this planet. You were created. The Bible says one man, from one man we all came. From the one first father that we had, his name is Adam and Eve, out of that first parent, if you will, came our lives. And we know that first Adam sinned, but that's why we have a second Adam. How many are thankful that the second Adam is Christ, and he pulls us out of the graves and puts us back into the garden? We know that the first garden was turned into a grave, but Christ comes and obeys instead of touching the tree in disobedience. Christ touches the tree in obedience called the cross. It's a per perfect picture of the salvation of God. But when you see that it is a gift, which means this, and that is it's a stewardship. You have a responsibility to steward your time, which means you're not an owner of it. It's a responsibility. It's a privilege. We live in a world today that is treating life as though it's not a privilege. It's not a gift. It's a burden. One of my sons was showing me on TikTok a couple of months ago how this young lady was saying, I didn't want this life. I didn't ask to be born. Why do I have to be on this crazy planet? And arguably, it's a crazy planet. It's a tough life. It's hard. But God gifts you. He chose you. He made you. You're fearfully and what? Wonderfully made. And when you understand that it's a gift, it's a stewardship, it's a privilege, when understanding that, then you begin to take advantage of it. The Bible says in Romans chapter 14 and verse 7, it says, for not one of us lives for himself and not one dies for himself. What is that saying? You are not isolated. You're not insulated. You're not alone. 
You don't just live independent. Someone is being affected by your life. Someone is being impacted by your life. In other words, you're leaving a legacy. Will it be godly or will it be ungodly? That's why Jesus said, live your life in such a way that you're not storing up treasures on this planet, but you're storing up treasures in heaven. In other words, what you're showing is that there is a greater legacy than just a financial legacy. It's it's a spiritual legacy. So we are not our own. We're not isolated. We're not independent. We don't live for ourselves. We don't die for ourselves. We were given this as a gift from God. And let me just say it like this. It's, It's coming to the understanding that that you have the potential to either leave a will or not leave a will is really what a legacy is. They say 68% in America today do not have a will or have made a will or have given direction concerning their property, their physical possessions. I'm not going to ask you. I asked the first service, how many of you have made a will? And I almost had a ride on my hands between husbands and wives. I told you we're supposed to get a will. Some of you are like, ah, I think we're supposed to have a will. When you make a will for your family, what are you saying to your family? What are you communicating that I am thinking about? And this is what responsibility and responsible Christians do. They are thinking about the future. They're not just thinking about themselves. They're thinking about others. Or in a sense, I am protecting their future. I am protecting their life. I'm giving them a legal document that's giving direction. It's giving, if you will, my my wishes or our our thoughts concerning what they're supposed to do with what we've worked hard for. If you have, of course, investments or possessions and gifts and talents and and treasures, maybe it's an item, maybe it's a a lamp. My mother left me her drugs. (laughs) That's a whole nother story. I come from real world. Lori comes from a godly family. I come from a different side of the tracks. And so, I just can go into all sorts of directions right now in my mind. Let me just say they loaded me up with a bunch of fentanyl packages that my mother had from the nursing home. I didn't sell them. We destroyed them. I'm off track. Let me get back on. I love you, Mom. But what you've worked for, what you've labored for, what you sweat for, what you went to school for, all that you did, listen, it should not go to waste. So creating a will says you're future-minded. Creating a will says you're other-oriented. Creating a will says that I am going to only be here for so many days. I may not be here tomorrow, and therefore, instead of leaving the family in chaos, I want to leave with clarity. So just as a will leaves a family in clarity, in Jesus' name, so your life should leave a legacy that makes the way of God clear. See, it's either going to, watch this, your lack of will or your lack of understanding of legacy will either leave your family with problems or with peace. It's either going to leave them in destructive habits and behavior or destiny. And so this is where we're going for these next several weeks. We're going to be talking about legacy. We're future-minded. We don't want to be chaotic. We don't want to be 
if you will, in a, in a world where we're just in, in confusion because the world has enough confusion and that's the job of the church. We are supposed to be the most clear place on the planet. We have a responsibility as individual Christians and as Christians coming together called the church to bring clarity and understanding to who God is and to how life is meant to be lived. That's why the Bible says in Isaiah, in the last days, God is going to put the church at the highest hill, which we're on, but God is going to put the church on the highest of peaks so that the nations, the Bible says in Isaiah, will stream to it saying, teach us your ways. Teach us the understanding. Teach us the laws of God. You know why? They've been down in the world for so long and all they've seen is death and destruction. And so when we talk about legacy, what we want to do is what the Bible tells us we're called to do. Watch this. Proverbs 13, 22. A good man, or you could say it like this, a good church leaves an inheritance or leaves a legacy. Not just to the first generation, but to the next generations. To his children's children. A good man, or you could say it like this, a bad man doesn't think about his legacy. A godly man thinks about the example, the legacy, the memories, the investments, the time, the impact, the words that they're leaving behind. If you've had a bad experience in an airport, and I know some of you have because I've seen some of the audio and the video, When they see you come back to the airport, are they like, get down, get down, get down, get down. Here she comes. Or are they like, here she comes. That's our best client. I was going to say patient. That's our best passenger. And we need to live our lives in such a way. Like the Bible tells us that when Jesus entered into cities, yeah, there were cities that didn't want him. But we also know that the fame of Jesus increased. And when they heard that Jesus was in the house, when they heard that Jesus was in the neighborhood, the Bible says they began to flock to him because of the legacy and the impact that he was making on their lives. John chapter 13, verse 7, Jesus said to them, Guys, what I do to you now, or as he was washing their feet in that upper room, he says, What I do you do not realize now, but you will understand after I'm gone. So what is Jesus showing us? He thought future. Yes, we are to think about today, but let me also tell you, are you like Jesus? Are you leaving a legacy for the next generation? And maybe that's for your children. Maybe that's just for other believers. Maybe that's for your family members. But what we learn about Jesus from this, in fact, Peter says it. He left us an example. He left you an example for you to follow in his steps. First Peter 2.21, concerning the purpose of even suffering. So what we learned is that Jesus, in a couple of thoughts, big picture, and then I want to just narrow down on a couple of things. Jesus left us a legacy of living for the Father. Number one, when you look about the life of Jesus, what was it that moved Jesus? The Father's will. It wasn't the needs. It wasn't the demands that moved Jesus. He wasn't driven. He lived a called life. And everything he did, in fact, Jesus said, therefore, he answered, Truly I say to you, the Son of Man can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. First and foremost, the legacy that Jesus leaves us is that he lived for his Father's will. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Our Father, my Father, who art in heaven. That's how he taught us to pray. 
First thing he said was, get the father's heart. Get the father's mind. And when you have an absent father, or when the vodka just spilled in the back, when you don't have a father, or when there is an attack upon the understanding of the father being God, and of course the necessity of fathers in the family, there's only going to be chaos and confusion. I really do believe we don't have a child problem, we've got a parent problem. The issue that we're facing in our country today, the issue, no question, no question. We can go and we can attack those kids all day long. But in many cases, they've had no example of what normal living and godly living looks like. They've come into this world handicapped, if you will. Number two, Jesus leaves us a legacy of living for other people. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to what? But to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He said, I came for you. I didn't come from me. Not to borrow another TikTok example, but I saw a TikTok example. <laughs> and it was this woman who has a TikTok page just to her grandmother. And she wakes up, and the TikTok video is of her grandmother Hello, baby. Can I get you anything? Are you having a good day? And I'm like, I want her as my grandmother. <laughs> and the whole TikTok page is just this grandmother. Is there anything else I can get you? Are you having a good day? Are you hungry? I will cook it for you. Do you need me to go make up your bed? This is the greatest mother I've ever seen in my life. But the point of this is when you're around people that are other-oriented, it, it is so awesome. How many go to restaurants now that feel like when you're being helped or being served, you're in their way? <laughs> hey, can I order? <laughs> you mind if I get something to eat? <sighs> can you believe she wants something to eat? God. All right, go ahead. What is it? Well, what is this? You don't know what that is? You should have done your research before you came to this church. <laughs> and honestly, you know what I say about our staff and even to our team here? And I'll say to you, if you're just nice to people, do you realize how successful you will be? <laughs> do you realize how much this world is starving for people? who are not about themselves and about other people. Going that extra mile. Jesus left us that legacy. Number three, Jesus left us a legacy of sowing and investing. Now here's the scripture on it. He answered, my father is working until now and I myself am working. Working. How many know working is a good thing? Work. It's not just taking, it's working. And when you don't work, the Bible tells us, if you don't work, you don't, you don't get to eat. But we live in a day and we live in a generation now that says, you know what, I don't want to work, but I'm going to take what you're working for. When you read the scriptures, and especially in the New Testament, Jesus, first of all, never called one disciple to follow him unless they were working. He never called someone that wasn't working. 
And maybe you're unemployed, and that is a reality, and that happens to everybody. But in your unemployment, what are you doing? In your unemployment, you better not be playing games. That word there is not Xbox. It's not games. I'm not against games. But I know it's not work. I was raised with mom and dad. In fact, Lori and I were talking about this. Our three sons, two of them are here today. Mason lives on Capitol Hill, works in politics and the political world, and then married, and then Connor, who's on our team here, and then Jackson in Alabama. The reality is all three of them, Lori said, do you realize all three of our sons love to work? I said, that's because you're a working girl. I came from a mom and a dad. That vacation was work. Like, Dad, everybody's going to Disney. Everybody's going to the beach. Can we go as a family? He goes, no, we're working. What kind of life is this? He goes, well, if you want to be in my home, it's a good life. He handed me a paintbrush and told me to paint fences all spring break. The day I get home after Christmas, Christmas break, go to work. My dad got into the oil and gas business after he left football in the NFL. And I'd get home, like, hey, man, it's going to be awesome, Christmas. Got a few weeks off. No, you don't. You need to be at the yard at 4 in the morning, loading a bulldozer, getting ready to go to an oil field location. Wow. My dad used to lick me. You don't like it? I'll help you pack. And then he'd say, and if you don't, if you don't like it, I'll help you pack, but you can only take what you paid for. And he goes, boy, you can be walking out of here naked, but I will give you a brown paper bag to walk out of. And the door is locked on the outside. And then he'd say, but if you can find somebody that loves you more than I do, I want to meet the man. So he was a good balance. He'd punch you in the face and then scratch your back. Jesus said, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground, unless it falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. What is Jesus teaching us? The law of investing. The law of sowing. I'm, I'm not going to just, we're not going to pretend. Last year, we have legacy. We do this in our church. Legacy is an opportunity for us to sow and to invest in our church. And of course, last year, you guys gave 2.5, 2.6, almost $3 million came in last year to move the church forward. Pastor Joe, it's a recession. We can't even afford Halloween candy. Well, don't give candy away this year. <laughs> but give it to the house of God. Somebody told him, candy's $20 a package. I said, well, the house is going dark this year. I'm going to give scripture references when people come to our door. Anyway. Bible tracks. Those are old school. That's the way some people used to do it. Or if my mother had those fentanyl pills. I'm not even going to think about that one. Oh, stop. Y'all know that one. Here's the fourth one. But for today's message, this is the most important. He left us a legacy of constantly increasing and growing. Jesus left us a legacy. In fact, Luke 2, 52, Jesus kept increasing in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God and with man. He grew psychologically, mentally. He grew physically. He grew spiritually. And he grew socially. 
You guys see that? Luke 2.52 on the screen. Let's look at it together and let's read it again. And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom. There it is, psychologically, mentally. He grew in stature. That's his physical. He grew in favor with God. That's his spiritual. And then he grew in favor with man. That's his social. What does that mean? He never stopped enlarging. He never stopped growing. He never stopped expanding. Why? Because God is an ever-moving God. Even Christ, who was God, was also man and did not stop growing. And the day that you and I stop growing, the day you and I stop learning, the day you and I stop becoming more than what God had for us yesterday and we begin to step into further and greater things, that, listen, if we stop, it's over. We live in a city that has 200, especially Williamson County in particular, 207 people move to this county every day. Just Williamson County. And when you look at the stats and when you look at what is the prediction for Austin, guys, millions of people, millions of people. One estimate from Texas A&M. In the first service, I said A&M, and I didn't get one whoop, but you put A and an M together, and you're going to get somebody whooping at you. But they call it the North Austin Corridor. From North Austin, Pflugerville North, encompassing Hutto, encompassing Taylor. And of course, you come all the way to the other side and Cedar Park and Leander going up into the Jericho. They're expecting by 2050, this cone will have 7 million people in it. They're now beginning to have projections up until 2039 of a couple of million people. We're, t- we're talking a metroplex here, 4 to 5 million people. Now, what happens if the church isn't growing along with the city? What happens if the church just gets overrun by the city? Now, here's where I want to go in the last 10 minutes of our time together. I want to talk about capacity. Because we must, as a church, but you as a believer, what we learn in Luke 2.52, Jesus growing in wisdom, stature, favor with God, and favor with man. You know what Jesus was teaching us? Grow your capacity. Increase your capacity, your ability, your capabilities. Let's go to the book of Isaiah, and this is why you saw the tents, and you're going to see tents throughout these next several weeks. The Bible says in Isaiah, verse 2, Isaiah 54, and verse 2, he says, enlarge the place of your tent. He's talking to the church. Enlarge the place. Get bigger. Grow the capacity so that more people can come under that tent. Stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Spare not. Don't be little. Don't be small. Don't be little and don't be small in your thinking. Don't ever get to a place in your life, and especially as a church, we're big enough. Really? We're not to ever be big enough as long as, not, as long as there's someone going to hell, we're not big enough. See, our whole idea, our whole mindset is until heaven is full. It's about pulling people out of hell. It's about pulling people out of their bondage. It's about giving them the hope of eternal life. We have the only answer. And so he goes, I want you to have this mindset. Don't spare. Don't get little. Don't, don't get limited. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your pegs. We'll talk about that over these next several weeks. 
The pegs are the ministries. The pegs are the people that are helping. Dream team members, if you will. The cords are the cords or the bands and the bonds of love. Colossians talks about this. Because I want you to spread abroad to the right and to the left. That word there in the original is I want you to go from Hutto all the way to Cedar Park. San Antonio somewhere down in there. Gerald, maybe Colleen. Because there are people or your descendants who I want them to possess. I want, I want them to have a legacy. And I want to resettle. I want you to take cities that are empty or desolate of my presence. Fear not. You will not be put to shame. Don't feel humiliated. You will not be disgraced. In other words, God says, I'm not against this thinking. I'm not against this idea. Let's move. Let's grow. Let's become what God wants us to become. He says, your husband or the Lord is your maker. Your husband is your maker whose name is the Lord of hosts. And your redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He's talking to those in the widowhood state of life. In other words, where you feel alone. You feel like there's nothing there that's going to ever produce. And he goes, I am your redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I'm with you. And so what he is selling to us or what he's giving us is this command of capacity. Increase your capacity. Grow your capacity because I've got more people that I want to put in this tent. There are more people that I want to experience Celebration Church. So what we want you to know is that we've got these initiatives I put them in the letter L's so that we can all remember. Number one, I talk about locations. We, we've got to find locations like we did with Central Austin. We have a location downtown, but we're also looking for locations in the form of, of, of acreage, in the form of property. We'll reveal this in the coming days. But we have to have other, we are max. We are, we're max at this location. It's just a, it's just a, it's a, it's a fact. We can add more services, and we might, but that's, not going to solve the problem of a growing city. When a city or when someone has to drive 15 to 20 minutes to go to church, they usually stop going to that church. So when you were at our church, when you were living wherever you were living, maybe you mo- made the drive, but, but I remember when we first moved here, you could make it to our church in five minutes. Now it takes 30 minutes to get across the street. And Pastor Joe, you know, you're a good preacher and all. I really like you and your wife is a good person. And uh, <laughs> she's more than that. But anyway, I just can't drive 30 minutes. You know how many red lights have popped up between us and the church? And if you live down now towards Cedar Park and Leander, and of course we can just go throughout this whole region, we've got to take church to the people. And we've got to take what God has given us as a gift and as a steward and as a responsibility to continue to plant. We've got prototypes. We're going to show you. We've got a prototype building, a prototype campus that we want to see in more and opportunities of, of acreage. Number two, the second L is leadership. We've always said we're not here just to plant a church. We're here to plant a university, a college, to train the next generation of leaders. Amen. She'll probably be going to our school one day. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I pray every day about, Lord, what are we supposed to do K through 12? Every day I pray about it. Because it's... it's uh... Some of you are like, I'm in. 
Well, show me the money. <laughs> because we've got to have buildings. And we are not just about, of course, having a local church. We want to raise up leadership. And we know that CLI will be an answer to further education and ministerial and leadership equipping. We want to respond to what has happened, and that is an overwhelming shift from education and universities to pushing non-Christian worldviews. It's just a reality. And so in the fall of 2023, we're excited to announce this. And of course, Connor is now leading, Connor Champion is leading our endeavor and leading our initiative concerning leadership in our school. We'll offer business degrees as well as ministerial degree programs. And our goal is to build housing. What you will see on this campus in the days to come, in the years to come, is that this will be a school and this will be a university. This, this property will be filled with buildings, training up the next generation. And so that's the second L. And the third will be what we call life. Locations, leadership, and life. Life stands for love, intervention, foster, adoption, slash adoption, and education, which means in light of Roe versus Wade, we have to be there to help those women who keep their babies. We've got to be ready to foster, to adopt. And we've been doing it. We, have, we, we started a, a foster program, four kids, four-point kids we call it. But we're also partnering, of course, with Agape Pregnancy Center, and we also partner with another ministry called Heal in Mercy who provides hope and finds hope and courage to heal from abortion, abuse, and other losses through mentoring retreats and groups. And so we're going to be in that spot. And people often say, well, are you ready to do from the womb to the tomb? Well, that's what we will, 100%. We're doing it now. It takes $5,000, the state qualification, it takes 5000 per family to train to be a foster parent. And I think we have trained some 17 families that we provided those resources for. But we want to be in those spots. We want to be there. Because we do believe that we have the answer. But we've got to have increase of capacity. You see, if the church doesn't have an increase of capacity, we're going to be likened to what I call the day that we all, or the week that we all remember, February of 2021. Remember the week when you didn't have any power? Some of you are like, I'm still cold. I'm still cold. <laughs> what did you learn? What did we learn about our power grid? It didn't have what? Capacity. It ran out of capacity. It did not have the ability or the capability to meet the needs. And what happened to people? They went into the dark. They went hungry. They went into the cold. When I think about the church, if we don't increase our capacity, where do people go? In the dark. Because Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the hope of the world. People go hungry. In other words, they don't have the word of God. They don't have the, the nourishment of God. They, they don't have the bread of life. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. You eat of me, you'll never, you'll never hunger. If you drink of me, you'll never thirst. And then lastly, of course, we know people are cold. It's a cold world. How many would agree? It's a cold world right now. Well, guess who brings the warmth? We are the light, Jesus said. 
And with light comes warmth. We are the light of the world. And when we discovered in that week that our capacity, our, our power grid did not have the capacity to meet our needs, well, guess what? If the church doesn't increase its capacity, people go into hell. Ah, Pastor Joe, that's, that is such an old school term, hell. And it's such an old school thought that people would go to hell. God doesn't, God, come on now. God doesn't send anybody to hell. People just choose. They, they said, okay, I know God sent his son, but I, I'm going to send myself. I have my way. He may have his way. He may say he's the way, but I got my own way. So God doesn't send anybody to hell. You just chose to trust in yourself. You bet on yourself. You just bet, you're betting on yourself. You're saying, well, I haven't given my life to Christ. I'm not a Christ follower. I'm not a Christian. This whole church stuff, everything you're saying right now, I thought you were Ikea. I don't know why I'm here. But what you're doing without Christ is you're betting on yourself that you're good enough, you're holy enough, you're righteous enough to get into heaven. And the Bible says all have sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God. None of us are righteous enough. None of us are good enough. You can't do enough. The Bible says even what you think is good is still filthy because your motivation is for yourself. And as soon as you do something good, it's like, look at me, TikTok, or Instagram, selfie. And so what you and I have got to do, we've got to increase our capacity because we have an increase of darkness. We have an increase of a very cold world. How many believe that things have changed rapidly? But God has called us. And God has already said, I've already left the legacy. I'm going to build my church. It's not if it's going to be built. It's going to be built. Will we be a part of it? As the worship team comes, I'm learning how to do a shorter service. It's like three minutes shorter, but just in case we have to add another service, I've got to get shorter. Some of you are like, uh, now nah, I'll bet on that one. Okay. I hear you. Shut your mouth. And I do have a flight to catch. Look at this in the book of 2 Kings. Chapter 4. Speaking of capacity. Because you can talk about, you can talk about leaving a legacy. We can talk about leaving a will. But the reason why people don't leave a will, the reason why people don't leave a legacy is they don't feel like they have the capacity for it. Like why would I even leave a will? I don't have anything to give. Oh yes you do. And we learn about this in the story of 2 Kings chapter 4. There was a woman who was a widow. She had been married to one of the sons of the prophets. In other words, he was in Elisha's school, Elisha's university. He was, a, if you will, being trained in the ministry. And she said to Elisha, you know, my husband died. And he loved God. He served the Lord. But we got a credit problem. The creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. That's how they used to do it back in the day. Some of you are like, I wish they'd do it now. <laughs> I'll pay them if they come and take. And Elisha said to her, well, what do you, what shall I do for you? And then he says, no, let me ask you this. Tell me what do you have in your house? 
And she said, well, your maidservant, I got nothing. I'm just small. I'm just little. I, I have nothing to speak of, nothing to give. But yeah, I do have a jar of olive oil over here. It's a little jar of olive oil. Got from H-E-B the other day. And he said, I want you to do this. I want you to go and I want you to get every kind of Tupperware container that you can find from all your neighbors and even empty vessels and do not get a few and you shall go in and you're going to shut the door behind you and your sons and you're going to pour out of that little bottle of oil. You're going to pour into those Tupperware containers. How many remember Tupperware parties back in the day or Pampered Chef for some of y'all? And when, when there is a capacity, watch this, when the capacity is made, when you stretch the capacity, God's going to stretch the oil. And so as they were bringing in, the Bible says, the boys went throughout the neighborhood and they brought back all the containers and the vessels, the Tupperware containers. And she began to pour. And the Bible says when the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. And they said, well, we've robbed everybody of every container in the neighborhood. And then the Bible says when the oil stopped. When? When there was no more capacity. When they wouldn't enlarge the tent. When they wouldn't stretch. Yeah, but it's a recession, Pastor Joe. We need to hunker down. Baloney. See, the problem is you're looking at your oil instead of God. It's not about your money. It's not about your resources. It's about who God is. And if we will just be faithful to take what we have, you already have, have it. We have every dollar that we need. You have every dollar that you need to meet your every need. The problem is you're just looking at the oil. You're just looking at how little you have. And God says, no, look at the container. I will move when you move. Enlarge. Stretch. Well, Pastor Joe, it's like this. Pastor Joe, I'd work out, but I just don't have a good outfit. Or I don't work out. You know why? Because I don't like my health club. I don't want to work out because I'm on the right shoes. Just move. Just, just, you don't have to have an outfit. You don't have to have a clothes. Now, put your clothes on, but you just, just... Just walk. And what he's saying is that a couple things. Number one, stop complaining about what you don't have and be thankful for what you do have. Okay, number one. Here's the second thing. You got to see. You got to see by faith God's power. He's able. And stop looking at your problems. And the Bible says, as they were giving capacity, stretching, enlarging, I really do believe God says, oh, you won't be embarrassed. You won't be embarrassed. When they said, why do you want to buy 110 acres on I-35, 110 acres on this property, the story you've heard? They go, what are you going to do with it all? And I had somebody say, you're going to be embarrassed that you're only going to build on a little bit of it. You're going to be ashamed. And I'm going to tell you something. God loves people who will step out on faith and say, it's not about the oil and it's not about what we don't have. It's about who God is. And I want us to do something. I want us to stretch a little bit. Yeah, November the 6th, I'm going to ask you to stretch. In a recession, even more so. Because we need the miracles. Listen, you don't have to come up with it. God has it. He's just looking for people who are willing to stretch, who are willing to believe, 
to take what they have and say, God, here it is. It belongs to you. But before we go anywhere today, how many are wanting to the Lord to increase your capacity? Maybe it's a capacity of love. A capacity to forgive. Maybe your capacity of faith is small. Maybe your faith is little. Increase our faith, Lord. They prayed that. Give us greater capacity for kindness, for patience. How many have little patience right now in this world? It's like, hey, good morning. We need to grow. The book of Luke chapter 12 Jesus said, oh, I have come to cast or to throw some fire upon the earth and how I wish it was already kindled, how I wish there was an increase of the power of God, but I have to go to a baptism and how distressed, watch this, how limited, how straightened, how small I am until I go to the cross is what he's saying. The only way that you're going to increase your capacity is stretch. you got to be stretched. Come on, stretch out your arms to the person next to you. Hit them in the head right there, right? But you got to stretch. you got to stretch. And you know what? I'm going to ask you a question. I asked the first service. How many of you stretched longer than 15 minutes this morning? Did anybody stretch this morning for longer than 15 minutes? Okay. There's more hands. There's healthier people in this service than in the last service. I had one guy say, Pastor John, I stretched yesterday. I said, well, you should have lied. You should have said this weekend. Stretching doesn't feel good. But Jesus said, just like I had to stretch my arm, just like I had to suffer, just like I had to go through some things, it's those things that stretch your capacity. Can we stand to our feet and stretch right now? And I want to lead us in a simple prayer. I want to grow. I want to grow spiritually. I want to grow mentally. I want to grow socially. I want to grow in my stature. I want to, I want to grow in health. I want everything of my life to grow. I, I don't want to go down. I want to go up. I want. This is the command of God to every single one of us. We live in a very hard, I get it, dark, cold world right now. But we are not of this world. We are of another world called the kingdom of God. Our world is not shaped by recession. Our kingdom is not based by that. But I'm pastoring you today. I'm I'm pushing you a little bit. I think we get a little soft on ourselves. We get a little... We get a little... (laughs) You're 42. Stop it. I don't want to go to church. Get out of bed. Go to church. That stretches you. That stretches you. I get it. We've coming out of this pandemic. We're coming out of a lot of stuff. Who knows what the future holds, but I know the one who holds the future. And so can we stretch our hands to heaven right now? I'm not going to pray any weird prayer. You're not going to drink Kool-Aid. Nobody's going to do anything to you. But before you do, I want to ask, how many of you have never given your life or honestly... This might be the first time that you'll say, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. Something you said today, I know today i got to get my life right with God. And today I want to trust Him as my Lord and Savior. Today I don't want my life and me to bet on me. I'm going to put my life and my hope on Christ, that He is the way, the truth, and the life. If that's you, would you just wave at me, Pastor Joe, pray for me. Pray for me about that. Yeah, thank you. Hands going up all over this place. Let's say this out loud. Lord Jesus. 
as I lift my hands, stretch me, make me what you want me to be. I confess you as my Savior, my Lord. I do not want to be the same. I want my family to grow spiritually. I want my life to grow in every way that it's called to grow. Lord, I don't want to live in a small world. I don't want to live with small thinking. God, I want your life. And your life is ever increasing, ever growing. For that is the kingdom of God. God, I will not stay the same. My life belongs to you. I give it all in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Come on.